0: Welcome to the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'm your host, Gary Durbin. I've been a worship leader for over 20 years, and I've learned a lot from so many on this journey. On this podcast, we'll have conversations and explore the dynamics of leading worship in the local church. Can kids worship? Like, really, truly worship? Can they cry out to God in song from the depths of their soul? Or are they only capable of being entertained? Asking those kinds of questions will lead us to explore what kind of approach and philosophy we have when it comes to kids' ministry. On this episode, I talked to Yancey. She's a worship leader, songwriter, and producer of hundreds of songs that make Jesus loud. Her Dove Award-winning music is all the things that kids love and everything adults value. She's a powerhouse at leading and teaching kids from birth to preteen how to worship and creates popular worship resources for churches and homes around the world. This will be helpful for those in worship ministry and kids ministry, but I think it will also be good for any church leader. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Yancey. Well, hi, Yancey. Thank you for coming on the More Than a Worship Leader podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: I know of you because I utilized your devotional materials years ago, which is really, really cool. It actually really helped my worship team back then and also was an inspiration to write my worship team devotional as well. So it's a it's a small world.
1: It is a small world. That's so cool. It's those, those devotionals I wrote a long, long time ago (laughs) when in so many ways I had no idea what I was doing, you know, at the same time, but I was leading a team and, and just looking for things that would help us unite, you know, as a team and as worship leaders and as well, just Especially at the time I was working with a lot of teenagers and young adult students and, and, uh, just as, as well, shaping a heart for ministry.
0: That's great.
1: And so that's so fun, small world.
0: Absolutely. So you've been in worship ministry songwriting for how long?
1: I, I, so this year, I'm actually celebrating my 25th year of doing music professionally um, in some capacity. Obviously, I grew up in the church. I'm a preacher's kid. And, and because I was always interested in music, being on worship teams was you know, an, a natural place for me to get involved and plugged in um, as a kid and through my teen years and, and young adult years just because I got to... Do both things, serve my church and be a part of music. Um and so I I but I think I started leading worship when I was a teenager. It was probably around when I was like sixteen or so. I feel like I have some key memories of leading worship for middle school and um just serving in that capacity. And just over the years, it's kind of grown. So originally, my my music dream was just make CCM Christian music. And somewhere along the way, kept having more and more opportunities to lead worship and um, mentor worship leaders and develop our worship bands and teams at my church. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time at a church called Church on the Move. And... um, so I kind of put some of my CCM career stuff on hold doing the worship thing at church and then that kind of grew and snowballed into uh overseeing worship for our kids as well. So at the time I was kind of had my hands in everything, student worship, adult worship, kids was the last thing I did. And through that process and a bunch of other things, I don't know that we have time for all the details today. It's kind of how I landed on um making music and worship resources specifically for kids. And so that's been my focus now for the past like 14 years or so. Time flies when you're having fun. And I just love um, developing things and just helping to resource the church and families as well, to just have music that meets the needs of what they're doing in ministry and um, plants Scripture and and the Bible and all of that and the lives of these young ones as they grow and develop. And so um, throughout that process, I would say I have become more and more passionate just about helping church leaders and worship leaders just really open their eyes to see what the potential is and what's all at stake um, as we think about our kids in our churches and worship and how those things go together and the fruit that could be born from it.
0: Well, that's the big reason I have you on this episode. I'm really excited to talk about kids worship and family and family ministry. I'm I'm super excited about that. And we'll, we're definitely going to talk about that. Before we jump into that, a uh, couple of things I want to want to talk about number one is your, your family legacy.
1: Mm-hmm. I know you have
0: a famous dad. And also did I see somewhere that you have a tie to the gospel bill show?
1: Oh, well, yeah, I would have a tie to it. So, so my dad has been in children's ministry and family ministry my whole life. Um, that's kind of what he's always done. And so his name's Jim, Jim Weidman, and he's done a whole lot in the children's ministry and family space over the years he worked for who Gospel Bill is, Willie George, um, for about 18 years. So kind of the middle chunk of my life. We moved out there when I turned 10. And that's the place that I did all of my first things. You know, that's where I... I learned how to serve in worship teams and lead worship teams and learned how to record and be a a part of, you know, the various like filmings and and recordings and stuff that that we would do. So it was it was definitely a very creative place to grow up just because they were doing production of the Gospel Bill show and then also a show called Fire by Night for Teenagers and making curriculum that churches use and all sorts of things. So that is definitely where I kind of, you know was a green artist, performer, writer, worship leader, all of that kind of stuff.
0: The Gospel Bill show was my jam when I was yeah. a little kid in the 80s. So yeah, I saw
1: that. Sure.
0: I saw that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally yeah. forgot about that, that show. Yeah.
1: So past the Gospel Bill show, they did a little bit more of a grown-up version called Bill Gunner, U.S. Marshall, and made some movies and stuff. My dad played a character in that show, but he was never on the original Gospel Bill show. But
0: gotcha. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. So you've been a worship leader for for quite a while. One of the things I always ask worship leaders on the podcast is, mm-hmm. you got a crazy or embarrassing moment on stage that that you can remember?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, a few things come to mind. I I can tell you three. Just <laughs> my first concert ever. Um, I ripped the heel out of my boot mid-concert. Hmm. It like my foot got stuck on a step. And then it's one of those things where like the heel is like spinning. It still is attached, but it's dangling to the boot. And I could feel these nails like coming up and hitting me in my foot. And It's just that confusion of every time I put pressure down on my shoe, I would feel the spike. And it was like, what in the world is happening? And then I finally looked and just saw my heel dangling. So that was first concert ever way to keep you humble. And then um, specifically leading worship, I joke that there's times that, you know, you know, a new song, how you should. And there's other times you step foot out there kind of thinking to yourself, like, I'm not quite sure that I'm, I'm ready for this. And I remember it was one Wednesday night and I was leading worship with these teenagers and I opened my mouth and it was like, It was like the chorus came out over the verse progression. You know, it was like I was singing a correct part of the song, but it was in the wrong place. And it was one of those tragic things where it was just like completely stop and restart the song. But I walked off stage that night knowing that was that was a mistake. That was 100 percent my fault. And then another one. So I was leading worship at a middle school school. Event And I remember we were in Atlanta, Georgia, (laughs) and I was on this riser in the center of the stage and they were like wrapping up the weekend at this youth convention. Somebody was like sharing something serious before it was going to be like the grand finale last song of the weekend. And I ultimately forgot that I was on a riser. (laughs) that only had so much space on it. And so I took a step backwards. And when I took that step backwards, Mm. I stepped off the riser Mm. and it was like slow motion of my feet going up in the air, my arm. And I had my guitar on and I finally like landed with the The bottom of the guitar like crash. But it's like as I'm going backwards, I also see crew members and stuff all like running towards me. You know, it's like literally like one of those slow motion, and you just see all of these band people's like reaction, like, no. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, like they're like, are you okay? And I'm like dying laughing because, of (laughs) course, I mean, it hurt. But at the same time, it was just like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And of course, the person who was doing the serious thing had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. His back was to me. And he just noticed random people in the audience, you know, like gasping and like pointing and
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: all because I was crashing down.
0: But keeps us humble.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm clumsy, <laughs> So <laughs> it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, there's a I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's an Instagram account called Worship Fails.
1: Yes, and I've seen some of that.
0: Yeah, what I tell people is, if I get to the end of my run as a worship leader and don't end up on that, I feel like I've accomplished something.
1: Well, I will say this: I, um, you know, the the time where I opened my mouth and I sang the chorus and what was the verse spot of the song? I own that mistake completely. Like that was on me. I I wasn't. I didn't know that song like the back of my hand, like I should have. But one of the most freeing moments of my life, I went to a Sting concert. This is like nearly 20 years ago. And watched Sting, forget the words to every breath you take. Where he completely like botched it, audience had to kind of pick it up and carry it. And at that point, I mean, you know, that song had already been out. 20 years, you know, so it was a huge lesson for me mm-hmm. of learning how to deal with those mistakes on stage and know that, you know, uh, and that situation, it's not that Sting didn't know the song. It's not that Sting had not performed that song enough times and, you know, right. drop the ball. No, it's, it's true that brain, brain farts happen, you know, right. like, those moments. And it's just like. You might have said how great is our God a thousand times, but there's going to be a day that it's just missing and you don't have what's there. And so that was like the most freeing moment of my life because it just helped me learn how to, you know, properly kind of put these these mistakes over here in this category and certain mistakes in this one over here and just realize there's certain things that I can let roll off of me and just realize we're all going to have a little moment of brain fog from time to time, that's That's not on me, but you know, then there Mm -hmm. are those times that it's like, yeah, but you do have to study and you have to rehearse and you have to know it. And if you screw that up, that's just on you, you know?
0: Yes. If there's any pastors listening to this, it's like, you know, just cut your worship leader some slack. I mean, even sting messes up every once in a while. So
1: I mean, everybody does.
0: Well, I'm excited about your book, and I, I'm excited yeah. to dive into it. Thank you for sending it to me. I'm I'm excited to. I, I actually started it a little bit, and I loved how you started your first chapter. I love the first words, which is "I love Jesus." Yeah, I love that. I love that. And then at the end of that paragraph, you said, "I have one goal, and one goal alone, to declare the praises of my King with my entire being."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, why do you love Jesus, Yancy?
1: Um mm. I just I just do, man. Um I when when I reflect I have, I have had a good life. All in all, I have very little that I can complain about. But even in the moments and the seasons of life that have been hard, I just it's so much like what we see David declare in the Psalms where I just see his goodness and mm. I see his faithfulness and how he is constant. And even in my gaps and even in the valleys and even in the failures and the times that, you know, something is my fault and it's my mistake. I just, I just see him so steady and consistent and true and can't imagine doing life and living life without, without serving the Lord. You know, it's one of those things like you, you interact and maybe get an update from a old friend and, you know, hear about someone you grew up with and you knew, and it's like, you've sat through the same church services and you had such similar family experiences. And yet people have made such different choices um, in their adulthood. And it's like, I hear those stories sometimes and my heart breaks, because I just think like, why? Like, I can't, I can't fathom how that person has made the decisions they've made. Cause I just think, why, why would you want to do life without him? Right. I, I don't want to do life in my own strength. And so yes. mm-hmm. I, I would say the older I get, certainly my, my motives and my reasons for all the mm-hmm. things that I do um, are so much more about him and so much more about building his church and right. just, you know, how, how I can be a small little piece in a much bigger pie. And, um, yeah, so I just felt, I felt like I wanted to just let the cat out of the bag from the very beginning mm-hmm. of the book to just let everyone know exactly where I stood and yep. where, where I was coming from, where my heart was. That's
0: so great. So you have a passion for kids and families to worship, to, to be mm-hmm. discipled. Yeah. What, what does Jesus say about that? What does Jesus say about yeah. family ministry and kids worshiping?
1: Yeah. Well, so I I will I will start by by telling you this. I remember the day that I came across a scripture that's my favorite scripture about kids and worship in the Bible. Um I was on staff at the church. I can describe to you in detail what my office looked like. I overlooked the front parking lot of the church, like all of that stuff. But Psalm 8, 1 and 2, and the message translation says, God, brilliant Lord, yours is a household name, nursing infants, gurgle choruses about you, and toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence atheist babble. Hmm. And it was one of those moments when I read that verse, you know, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we kind of come across something that feels kind of interesting or powerful. Um, to us, and I and I kind of remember like thinking, did, did that just say what I think it said? You know, like let me pause, <laughs> let me back up, let me read that again. No, it actually says that even the worship of a snotty-nosed two-year-old that might have been throwing some sort of tantrum 30 seconds before they started singing the song, it says when they open their mouth and they praise God, that it silences enemy talk Hmm. and that it stops atheist babble. And my eyes were open that day just to understand the power that's in worship. And I love so very much. Um, We are all familiar with kind of the Palm Sunday story. You know, we, we all, we all talk about it and sing about it and celebrate it Um, on that Palm Sunday of the, of the year. And, you know, Jesus was riding on the donkey, and scripture tells us that, you know, the children are waving the palm branches, and they're shouting out Hosanna, and just a couple verses down in that same chapter, um, Jesus gets to the temple, and there's a group of adults, which I find so significant, even as we think about just modern church dialogue and all of the things, um, a group of adults questioned Jesus on what they had just heard outside as he was, you know, riding on the donkey and the children waving the branches and shouting Hosanna and all of that. And Jesus responded and he said, From, Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And if you read the little sidebar details of that passage in the New Testament, they're going to tell you Jesus right there was quoting. That verse in Psalm eight two um, that we are familiar with, and I just find it so significant for us as leaders and pastors and ministers and worship leaders and all of that to take note that you know this was a big week, like this was a this was a big piece of the story and why Jesus was there on Earth, and yet Jesus took time out of, you know, what was coming, what would be the redemption of mankind, the salvation story as we know it, Jesus took a moment to pause and actually highlight to us that verse in Psalm 8-2 to remind us that the praises of children has been ordained, or depending on which uh, version of You know, the passage that you're reading, it might say created, fashioned, formed, like there's a bunch of beautiful word imagery that's there that I would encourage you as leaders to go and just study, study those passages and just see the words that get used from translation to translation. But I just find it so significant to us that Jesus paused and highlighted to us the power of the praise of children Mm. as he was headed to the cross. I mean, Mm. the countdown was on and the days would be ticking by for that week and i just um i just am p- passionate and have a burden to just help highlight for leaders l- let's just stop going through the motions of doing church hmm. and let's actually take scriptures like that to heart and you know completely orient how we're doing ministry to help disciple kids to do the very thing that we, they were put on this earth to do and that is to worship and give praise to God.
0: Hmm. Love it. So when you're talking to kids ministry leaders and the, those amazing faithful people that are ministering every week to our kids, yeah, what is one thing that you could tell them to to make that worship time better?
1: Yeah. Well, I think kind of twofold. I think one, it It's not every single place, but I would say it's a common thing that I see churches out there doing where they have just reduced what kids worship is to just being a super duper fun oriented kind of song. And it's like what they're looking for out of a kid's worship song is just to make the whole room spin to the left three times and, you know. And it's like, that's what they want from it. And like, that's all they're looking for from it. And so on one hand, it's just like, let's stop reducing down what kids worship could be. Because yes, can a song get the whole room moving? It can. And that is a tool, you know, that even I am going to use intentionally, but that's not going to be the only kind of song I ever do with them. And so in a, in a, bigger grand palette sort of way it's thinking through the set or if your songs are very limited and you don't get to do much every single week then let's think through throughout the month how do we accomplish some different things musically from week to week instead of just kind of do playing the exact same card every time there's a song Spot to happen. So, on one hand, I would just kind of say that, which there's a whole much bigger conversation than we can dive into at the moment. But then I think the other flip side to it really is just teaching kids what worship is. Um, we so often just like, okay, now it's time for us to sing. Now it's time for us to praise God. And it's kind of like, okay, so what? You know, <laughs> like, so, tell me more. And, and, From my experience, kids are used to being told what to do. They're used to, you know, kind of having their hand held and being given some instruction of, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. And I feel like oftentimes when I'm talking to leaders and they're kind of um, sharing some of their dissatisfaction and maybe what engagement is like um, as they try to get kids to participate, I think so often the the missing ingredient is actually teaching kids what worship is and what that looks like. And Mm -hmm. it's not that every single week you're having, you know, a 20 minute sermon about worship, but I challenge leaders every single week, give them a little nugget of something of the what, why, where, when, how of worship instead of just saying, okay, now it's time for us to sing. Okay, well, let's let's unpack a scripture in Psalms, you know, like let's share what a heart posture might would be as we sing this song, you know, like let's talk to them and help them encourage what a next step, you know, in their life might look like. And I just have found um, that just giving them a little bit of information goes so far. Kids by far are the easiest age group to lead in worship, I've led all the ages, I can say confidently, kids are the easiest. Um, And they oftentimes just need us to kind of draw a box around what the worship time is. And that's what I feel like that information of just kind of teaching them what what worship is and just, you know, kind of phrase by phrase, week by week. It's not that you're unpacking all of it in one day, but if they're going to be attending your church, you know, and a perfect world 52 weeks a year. Worst case scenario, 25 weeks a year. Well, if you're saying something and giving them some little piece about what worship is about in the course of a year, they're gonna have 25, 30, 40 pieces of information um that are gonna help them understand better why their worship matters to God and how to participate in it.
0: Mm, that's good stuff. I appreciate your passion and just your years of. Investing and and loving kids ministry—that's really amazing, and I'm I'm excited for people who work in it to hear the, hear these things. That's I think that's yeah. going to be super helpful. Well, Yancy, uh, I'm excited to dive more into your book. It's called Sweet Sound: The Power of Discipling Kids in Worship. I'm excited to dive into that as as a worship yeah. leader, and then also pass it along to our kids ministry.
1: For sure, it's definitely something that I my hope and prayer is that yes you know kids ministry people will read it but i think there's room for worship pastors and family pastors and even senior pastors to take hold of this cuz i ask some big questions as well of what kind of adult worshipers do you want to have in your church and let's let's all sit down at the table and let's dream about that and let's talk about that together and then let's figure out how to be intentional starting in our nursery and preschool classes to help build and develop that over the years to have those kind of adult worshipers in our church when those kids grow up. And so I think there's a a very worthy conversation that the book invites um, pastors and leaders and ministry directors into. And so I would love for you guys to read it. It's also available in audio book as well. So I took all the excuses away. For those that are like, I don't like to read. Well, I will read it to you. So listen to the <laughs> audio version, but definitely unpack what it has to say because I believe it's so a very um, important topic for us to kind of reset our our eyes on and vision for in our ministries to just steward um, the generations that we have been entrusted with even better to just help them learn how to run to the the Father. And I believe they do that through this thing of worship.
0: Beautiful, love it. Well, in our show notes, I will include a link to your website. I'm assuming from there they can see all of your resources, your music, your books. Um, Also want to congratulate you on the Dove Award. I saw that you won that last year.
1: I did, that was super fun. Very unexpected and uh, just was really grateful. I say it was a buried dream of mine (laughs) (laughs) that I had just, you know, stuck way back, way back there. And so, and the project I went up for had been just a huge multi-year revelation, steps of faith, just so much was there. And so it was extra special as well that God made that award happened for that particular project. Cause it just felt like he was literally throwing confetti down from heaven to just mm-hmm. say, you did what I asked you to do.
0: Yeah. Well, well done. And, uh, congratulations. I'm excited mm-hmm. for you about that. And, and I think it's a blessing for you, uh, to be recognized, especially after all your years of ministry and hard work. So congratulations. Thank yeah.
1: thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and, uh, Look forward to talking to you again sometime.
1: Totally. Stay in touch.
0: Thanks, Yancy. I love Yancy's heart for discipling kids and people in worship. It's more than just fun songs. It's teaching and inspiring people to love God through songs. Here's how I speak to that in my book. As a pastor constructs a sermon, a worship leader should construct a set list. Pastors who develop sermons must do so prayerfully and with sensitivity to what God has for our flock. Worship leaders should approach a setlist with the same heart and mindset. If we truly want to lead people to recognize God's presence, it's important that we put some specific practices in place to be intentional in getting song selection right. So how do you want to impact your congregation with songs? What's your goal and intention as you construct those set lists each week? I pray you'll strive for engagement and inspiration over entertainment, because worship is more than just a song. Stay tuned for the next episode of the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'd greatly appreciate you subscribing and sharing. Thanks for listening.